special thank you to her. All right, let's get into this tonight. Ecclesiastes chapter number 12 is where we are going to be looking. And I'm going to be reading, I'm going to begin reading at verse number 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse number 8. We're going to be summing up uh, all that uh, has been found out in this moment. All that that has been discovered that uh, Solomon, the preacher in this instance, has discovered on his journeys. Let's, let's look at this together. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse number 8. He says, vanity of vanities. In fact, I'm going to do something. I'm going to, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. George, if you would, go to that same setting of Scripture in the New Living Translation. Would you do that for me? I'm going to read first out of that. So in the New Living Translation is what I'm going to begin uh, reading out of. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse number 8. And here's what he says. He says, everything is meaningless. New King James says, vanity of vanities. Says the teacher, completely meaningless now that doesn't sound real encouraging does it but uh uh there there is a reason for what he is saying here because searching into the ways of man and trying to gain all the knowledge of man and 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 build on that knowledge and add to that knowledge truly can just be a meaningless search at some point but here's what he says he says now keep this in mind the teacher was considered wise and he taught the people everything he knew. I, I, uh, I can uh, relate to that after this many years of preaching and teaching. I, I, every time I get up, I think I have said everything I know. And I've said a whole lot of things that I don't even know. So uh, I can uh, probably uh, relate to that a little bit. said he taught the people everything he knew. He listened carefully to many proverbs, studying and classifying them. The teacher sought to find just the right words to express truth clearly. He really searched to try to find the right words. I wish more of that probably would do that in this day, that we would search to find the right words to express truths clearly. The words of the wise are like cattle prods. They are painful, but helpful. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Have you ever, you ever seen a cattle prod? You know, you, hopefully you haven't ever been prodded with one of those. Some, you know, if you have brothers or sisters and you were out, you might have been prodded with one of those a time or two. But they're, 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 they can be painful, but they are useful to get to move along. It gets attention anyway. Uh, they, they are painful but helpful. They're, they're collected sayings, the wise, are like a nail-studded stick with which a shepherd drives the sheep. Again, that would be painful but useful. But my child, let me give you some further advice. Be careful for writing books is endless and much study wears you out. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. And here's where we're going to really hone in tonight. Fear God and obey His commands. For this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Every secret thing, 
Now, if we look in the New King James Version, basically it's going to say the same thing. But in verse 11, he says, The words of the wise are like goads, and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. And further, my son, be admonished by these. Of making many books there is no end, and much study is wearisome to the flesh. But then he says, now let's look at the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep His commands, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. I'm going to talk to you tonight. I want to, in this lesson, to just develop for you this concept, the whole story of a believer. The whole story of a believer. The, the duty of a follower. Of Christ, of a believer, of one that will follow the Lord. What, what we are called to be involved in and a part of. The, the finality of what that really needs to look like and what that needs to involve. How many of you realize that we oftentimes are involved in many, many things that are not essential? Now we have been forced in the last several months... To, to really define what is essential. How many would you would agree with that? Now, sometimes those definitions have been forced upon us because we have found out that some things in the world's eyes are more essential than what would be considered essential in a believer's eyes. Amen? Because even when churches were told they didn't need to be meeting, there were still liquor stores and uh, medical marijuana shops that were considered essential. We, we, we find differing opinions on what is essential. Amen. And, and as believers, if we are not careful, we involve ourselves in many, many things that are not really essential in our walk with the Lord. And, and if nothing else over the last uh, several months. I hope that, that you have been driven to the point of evaluating in your life. What really is important. I, you know I know when we were right in the midst of the, the shutdown. And you know the, the quarantine to flatten the curve. Anybody remember those days? Uh, we're way past those days now. But that was the, the first thing that came out. Is if we could just flatten the curve. You know. Y'all remember that? And, and if we, 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 you don't hear that anymore, but if we could just flatten the curve. And, and so we all were just pressed into this situation that we really had to define what was essential. And there were some good things that came out of that first little while. Because we really began to define the fact that family was very important. And that reconnecting together as a family was vital. Now, it had some challenges because families that weren't used to spending much time together all of a sudden were thrown into these settings where they were together all the time. So there could be some challenges there. But we began to define what really mattered, what really was important. We were all getting online to, to, to try to connect as a church because we couldn't do it in person. And we were trying to flatten the curve. And so we were all, not just some watching due to, to circumstances in our own lives, but just at that time, 
time. We were, you know, I was over here all by myself with the sanctuary set up like a, um, with, with just video cameras. And, and, and believe me, that's no fun to, to, to preach like that or to try to teach like that. But we were defining what was essential. And so Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, he's summing up this grand, he's went on this grand search. And he has went to try to discover wisdom. The wisest man in the world went on this journey to find the meaning of life. To find what it's all about. To gain as much wisdom as he possibly could. To learn about everything that he could. And he sums it all up for us at the end of this search. And he said, here's some things that I have found to be very true. Writing books can be endless. (laughs) Constant trying to study and learn of all this stuff can be wearisome to your soul. How many, how many have ever discovered that? That constant study can be wearisome. Amen? Now, now, studying the Word shouldn't be wearisome. But have you ever, have you ever had to spend a lot of time studying uh, for something? A test that's coming up, college, yeah, those all-nighters that we have to pull in college with all the uh, coffee that we're chugging down and everything else you can. It can be wearisome. So, so Solomon here says, this search and this quest for knowledge, and what I've discovered is really most of what you discover is just vanity. It's, it's, it's worthless. There's nothing of real value there. I might can tell you a lot of facts. And, you know, my, my kids and my family, we will, we will play games or we'll do things like that. And, and, and uh, I, I don't have a whole lot of skills, but I have a head full of useless knowledge. Uh, and, and by knowledge, I, I probably facts. That'd probably be a better thing to say. Just useless facts. And so, for some reason and somehow, my wife says, "How come your memory is not that good when I ask you to do something and you forget that?" But, but you know, they'll just ask uh, random questions and and somewhere in the deep recesses of of my mind i'll come up with uh with what and they'll always fact check me they're always looking it up and they'll say i can't believe he was right about that it's just useless kind of all you know you got you can have a lot of a lot of facts rolling around in your life right i don't know if i could do it right now so i'm not going to try to prove it right but used to because I was a huge Los Angeles Dodger fan when I was young, and uh, because Steve Garvey was my favorite baseball player, name spelled different, but he's only Garvey I'd ever heard of that did anything in the sports realm, and so I, uh, uh, they were my favorite team from the time I was young, and and I I I could rehearse to you the whole starting lineup of the Los Angeles Dodgers from the 1978 season. Now, I'm not going to try to do that right now, even though I probably could but I'm not going to try to do it right now but you can have a lot of useless facts that aren't really essential how many know in the grand scheme of my life that doesn't matter at all how many know we carry around a lot of stuff and we worry about a lot of stuff and we focus on a lot of stuff that in the grand scheme of our life and living with other people and relating to people that we love and relating to God, we carry around a lot of stuff that really has no, no real long-term benefit. And oftentimes, if we're not careful, we'll spend more time on those things than we will on the things that are important. 
And so this is kind of the, the, the summary or the gist that, that uh, Solomon is saying here. And so he says in verse 13, and this is what I really want to focus on with you. Let us hear the conclusion, what I've come up with. This is my conclusion. In the New Living Translation, he says, here's the whole story. Right? Here, here is, the, if, if Paul Harvey was here with us, he'd say, and here is the rest of the story. Let me, let me tell you what it really is all about. This, this is the story that you need to hear. This is the final conclusion. This is what matters. This is what we are called to focus on. Fear God. Keep His commandments. For this is man's all. This is everyone's duty. Fear God. Keep His commandments. For God is going to bring every work into judgment. Even the secret things. Whether they are good or whether they are evil. Now, once you think about that, we're going to walk through those for just a few minutes tonight. And we're going, to, we're going to see what our whole story needs to look like. What we need to focus on. How many believe that in the day we live in as believers, we need to be focused? We need to be focused on things that matter. It's okay to have things on the peripheral of our life that don't really matter, just things that we just are our pleasure and things that help us just kind of cope with the world that we live in and things that we enjoy. But let's not focus so much on the peripheral things that we lose sight of the most important things. And do you know man, man, when I say man, I'm not talking male, I'm talking male or female, I'm talking mankind. Do you know mankind has a real problem with that? In that we will so easily focus on the peripheral at the expense of the necessary. I, I, uh, I just want to challenge us a little bit tonight to know our whole story. Know your whole story. Know what the conclusion of your life is really all about. Know what matters. Evaluate what is important and make sure that is your driving focus I, I've heard people say if, if you want to know what matters to you uh, people will say if I could come spend a little bit of time with you I could tell you what matters the most to you by what you talk about the most what you spend the most time on what what you invest the most effort into now, I want you to think with me about that. As believers, what are we investing the most in? What are we spending the most time involved with? Pretty challenging, isn't it? How many, when I make that statement, that, that's kind of challenging? My hand's up. It's, it's, that's challenging. Because we don't, we don't stop to think about that. We just roll along our life and, and it's real easy to just roll along your life and not focus on the things that really matter and therefore never know our whole story. Do you know every one of us have an amazing story to tell if we would just seek to understand it? Let me, let me break that down just a little bit more. Every believer has an amazing story to tell 
if they would understand their own story. Every one of us. All of our stories are unique. All of them, are, but they all hold within them the same components. And in order for those stories to be successful and stories that can help others and stories that can make a difference in our world, they need to carry within them these three components. Our story, the whole matter of our life, needs to revolve around three areas. Fear the Lord, keep His commands, and understand God sees the secret things. Now, I've, I've given these three areas, three different names. And I'm going to talk to you tonight about what I believe every believer is called to, and that is to watch, to witness, and to warn. To watch, to witness, and to warn. Because if we are going to really be focused on our whole story, then, then we, we need to incorporate these things within our life. So we're going we're gonna to look at this. Mark, did a, uh, Mark Legrand did a study. I don't know how many of you were, were able to be on there. Uh, but he did a study, a Zoom study, on the fear of the Lord. And uh, we went through a, uh, some teaching on that as he talked about the importance and the necessity of the fear of the Lord. It was a great, uh, a great series of lessons. It was a great concept that we need to grab hold of because when we think of fearing the Lord, oftentimes, you know, when we hear the word fear, we kind of get the wrong thing in our mind sometimes. It, it is really an awe, a reverence. Amen. I, do you know in the in Jewish culture, ancient Jewish culture, we're coming up on a on a time frame uh, that is going to start with the Feast of, of Trumpets, and then it's going to carry all the way through um, Yom Kippur, the the Day of Atonement, and and in there there's a ten day period that in Jewish culture is known as the ten days of awe. All A W E, where 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 they are to evaluate their life and evaluate what what uh, God has done and who they are and evaluate where they are and and that is that's the concept of the fear of the Lord because they are in awe of Him and I I want to talk to you about that understanding of fear of God because I I see that as a watching here here's what if we're not careful as believers. We, we close our eyes to our own life and to what God's doing around us. We get so caught up, we get laser vision on our tasks or what's right in front of us or, or what is distracting to us. And our eyes are shut to all that's going on around us. Do you know that every moment of every day, God is moving all around this place, this world? Every moment, every moment. This, this hit me one time in, in one of the oddest situations you might could ever imagine how someone would have this thought. I am standing at the graveside of my dad's funeral. I'm, I'm standing out there by myself just contemplating what this is. We're at the graveside and I, I'm, I'm in the midst of this moment. And just standing out there by myself in my own thoughts, all of a sudden the thought comes to my mind that... While I am in one of the worst moments of my life, all around this world, life is going on. That while I I am in a devastating moment in my life, just right around the corner there are going to be people laughing and rejoicing. 
There are going to be people receiving unbelievable blessings in their life. There's going to be people talking about this as the greatest day of their life. And, and it just hit me that if we're not careful, we will get so caught up in the moments that we are a part of that we will fail to recognize that God is moving at all times. The story is bigger than just what's happening to us. Amen. When you lose sight of that, you lose sight of the fear of God. When you lose sight of the fact that God is bigger than we can ever imagine and, and, and he, He's moving throughout the world and the story is bigger than just the story that's happening in our life at that moment. When we lose sight of that, it's easy to lose that awe of God because of the difficulty of our moment. And Solomon says, he says, here is the conclusion of the whole matter. Here's the whole story of the believer. Fear God. Keep an understanding of this awe and reverence of God. Amen. How many, how many of you understand the reverence of God concept? How many of you were raised in church? Raise your hand if you're raised in church from time... I, I guarantee you, if you're raised in church at some point, and that's been a, several years back, you would notice a difference in the approach today than the approach when we were being brought up in church. And, and that difference oftentimes people will define as, well, there's just not the same reverence for the house of God. Anybody ever, anybody ever thought about that, heard that? Maybe you said that. I, I don't know. Well, but there's just not the same reverence because, I mean, you know, it was, it, 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 it the way we were raised to reverence the things of God changed for all of us. It's all different for, for all of us. But if we're not careful, we will lose that because we recognize, we, we lose the concept that the story is bigger than just us. Somehow we've made Christianity and we've made God and we've made Christ all about us. What a small way to live. Amen. That really, if if your God is all about you, your God's far too small. And if you can't see beyond your yourself and see God's glory, you're, you're missing out on the whole story. Is that hard to do at times? You better believe it is. Because when you're going through difficulties, how many of you are brave enough to admit in-house or even online, how many of you are brave enough to admit that when you're right in the midst of difficult times, it's hard to see past just yourself. It's hard to see past your situation. But do you know the minute you can see beyond your situation, you'll see God at, at work. And that awe of God, that, that fear of the Lord, that reverence of God will begin to move in your life. So you got to watch. Keep your eyes open. Live in awe of what God has accomplished and what He is doing. Let me, let me tell you what I wrote down here. The, the idea of awe and wonder in the fear concept of God. And we'll, we'll pick up some other things here as well. But here, here's the, the statement I wrote down under this concept of watch with this fear of God. If we would learn to watch as everything gloriously unfolds, our concept would change. 
of who God is. If we would learn to watch the whole story from eternity past to creation of man and all that that took and all down through the ages, all the way to redemption and all the way to eternity future, you will see a, an amazing story of an unimaginable God that is so much greater than our life and, and our finite uh, existence here, so much more majestic, you will begin to see that if that's the God that we serve, then anything truly becomes possible. And therefore, I'm not going to get trapped in the small-minded concept of the world revolves around me. It doesn't. The world revolves around God. Amen? Now, in my life, on this earth, it feels like it all revolves around me because that's a hard concept. But in my spirit, man, I've got to look beyond that. I, I personally believe because we, we have kind of lost some of this, I believe that that is oftentimes where so much, and I'm not talking about the clinical side of it, but, but I believe that a lot of just depression and discouragement and despair, again, I'm not talking clinical sides i'm talking about depression and discouragement and despair. i think a lot of it stems from the fact that our world is revolving around us therefore if things aren't looking right things aren't feeling right things aren't going like we thought they should we're devastated but if we could get beyond that and we could have this fear of God, this awe and reverence of God, we could see the whole story and how it all, uh, uh, how it all gloriously unfolds. Have you ever thought about how the story that God has fashioned for us in this world, how amazing it is as it has unfolded? It's amazing. Look back at history. Do you know there was existence before you? <laughs> Amen. And there will be existence once we pass on. It, it, they're, 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 it's an amazing story. The story of how we made it here is an amazing story. The story of God's dealing with this world and God's dealing with mankind, it's an amazing story. And if we lose sight of that, we will lose sight of the awe and the wonder of God. So, so keep your eyes, watch in the midst of hardships, watch, remind, that's why when you're in deep, dark issues and you're struggling, it's great if you can to get out and look at something God has done. Amen. Now, I, you know, everybody, if they could choose exactly where they were living all the time, you'd have certain places you would choose. Mine would be one of two places. If I could, if I could choose anywhere that I could live, I would either be living in the mountains or on a beach somewhere. One, one of those two. Mountains, preferably, would be my, uh, uh, my, my favorite place to be. I want to tell you, there is nothing like to me then when you're up, when we've been skiing and you get up on those mountains and the snow is everywhere and you look out from one peak and out across and you see that mountain range, you see the majesty of God. Amen. And do you know that's not dependent on what I'm going through in that moment? And so sometimes if we will just watch what God is doing, it helps get us beyond what we are in in the moment.
Is that, does that make sense to you? This, this is just, you know, I'm just trying to give you some good advice. Watch what God is doing. Fear God. Have an awe and a wonder of God. The whole story. Get beyond your story for a moment and see the whole story. See that God has been at work, is at work, and will continue to be at work among this world and the worlds that are around us to come. And then watch for the awe of God in your personal story. I mean, this is, Solomon says, I'm going to sum it all up. Here's what, here is the whole story of the believer. Here's the duty of every believer. Fear God. And how do we do that? By keeping our mind on this concept that God, the whole story that He's unfolding is amazing and I'm not going to get trapped in my moment. And then the second thing is, but I do have to understand the story of God in my personal story. Because I want to tell you, He's brought me from some stuff. Amen? I remember... One of, the, one of the greatest statements in the Bible in my mind, there's many of them, but one of them is when Saul is going to be made king. And he's been told he's going to be king. The people have all gathered together, and when they get there, they can't find him. Now, the guy stood head and shoulders above everybody else, what the Bible says, but they can't find him. You'd think he would stand out. And they're looking for him, and they said, where is he? And then finally they say, there he is. He's hidden among the stuff. He's hiding, hidden among the baggage. Come on now. That's a pretty powerful statement if you catch. Because how many times are we hidden among the baggage of our life? Are we hidden among the stuff that wants to keep us from being what God wants us to be? But I want to tell you, your personal story is an amazing story of God's grace, of God's mercy, of God's ability, of God's power. Do you know God has saved you from things that you have no idea that He saved you from? Amen? Have you ever had moments that you realized or you recognized maybe you're on the road and, and if you had, had not got caught at that light or if you would not started a little bit later that you would have been right in the midst of some accident or something. I, I, I remember one morning at Shoto, I was, I was getting up early in the morning driving to Tulsa to the hospital to see someone in the hospital. And I got up and, and I don't remember what happened. Something happened and it threw me behind. And it was real foggy outside. We had to take the, I had to take the highway into Tulsa. And something happened through me behind. And, and, and I was all anxious because I had to get to the hospital. I had to get there. And so finally, I, I was on the road. And I get almost halfway to Tulsa out on the highway. And this fog, you could barely see in front of you. And the next thing I know, everybody is piling up and stopping. And I slammed on my brakes. And just on up ahead, before the, the ambulance hadn't even got there, nothing happened. But there had been a devastating wreck on that highway. And I literally believe that it was the hand of God. That for whatever reason, and we could ask the question, well, why didn't he do that for others? I don't have those answers. All I know is in my life, I believe God had a hand in watching over me in that moment. 
It's an amazing story that our personal life is an amazing story of God's goodness, God's grace, God's power. And, and that's where the fear of the Lord. We learn to have awe and wonder of God when we can see all He's done. That's why we need to forget not all of His benefits. Amen? Forget not all of his, what is Psalm, is that 105 verse 3, is that what that is? 105 verse 3, I believe it is. Forget not all of his benefits. We need to, we, we should, we, we need to remember because we have an amazing story. And, and our personal story will point us to the fear of the Lord. And then we need to always see the glory and wonder of God in other people's story. Instead of looking, for judge, looking to judge everybody, look for God in their story. Amen. How many of you have some, some God in your story? Amen. I want to hold your hand up. If you've got some God in your story, hold your hand up. Hold it up. And I want you to look around. You can look around. It's okay to look around in church still, even, even in this pandemic day. Look around. You, you're going to see there's God in these stories. Stories of healing, stories of help, stories of encouragement. And that develops a fear of God in us, a fear of the Lord, a reverence and awe, a wonder of God in our lives. And, and, then, and then we're going to catch up in a moment. But that fear of the Lord also does carry with it the concept of the judgment of God. Because when you have a proper fear of the Lord, you also recognize that there is an accountability to the Lord. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But, but I hope that, that, that you just hear that. I hope that that, that makes, that, that somehow you can be watching from whatever. Do you know you can watch what God has done? You can remember what God has done in your life. You can look at, at the wonder of the marvel of the world, world around us. If you just got to get in your car and drive out to a lake somewhere and look out on the water and say, God, you're, you're a great God. Or just get, you know, Ken, Ken does that when he gets out in his boat and catches a fish and he said, God, look at what you created, right? There you go. But whatever you got to do to just get away, Maybe you can't get out of the house, so so just put put on your computer a picture of of some beautiful mountain that's majestic or something, and just look at that and remind yourself of the wonder of God, because that that keeps us grounded and it keeps us focused in the right direction. First Corinthians sixteen and thirteen. He says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, and be strong. Watch. So, the fear of the Lord, fear God involves watching, looking to find God in every scenario. And when you can't see God in your scenario in this moment, then look outside of your scenario. How many believe that could encourage you? How many believe that one concept could help you? If you leave here tonight and you don't hear anything else I've said, that one concept is worth the price of admission to get in here tonight. Amen. That one thing. Fear God by watching what He is accomplishing and what He is doing. Remember what He's done in your personal story. Never lose sight of that. Because if it had not been for the Lord, 
you would not be here today. In Colossians 4 and 2, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant, watching in it with thanksgiving. Be vigilant. Watch. Have a fear of God that causes you to have wonder and awe. Recognize the greatness of God. The second thing that that he hits there, he says, fear God. And then he says, and obey or keep his commands. And, and for the sake of our study tonight, I wrote down witness. So watch, see what God has done, see what God is doing, and witness, keep His commands. Do you know that's how we truly witness to others, is by keeping His commands. If the only, thing, only time you think of witnessing is when you're talking and telling someone something God said, you've missed some concepts. Well, that's important, but telling someone what God said, if you're not doing them yourselves, that just hurts your witness. you got to live it as well as speak it. Keep His commands. They came to Jesus one day, and they said to Him, What is the greatest commandment? What is it? Because they, Jewish people understood commands. Amen. If anyone understood commands, the Jew understands commands. They have lived their life revolving around the commands of God. A whole people. That's what it's developed on. What is Jesus? What is the greatest command? Here's what he said to them. He says, love God. That's the first Greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, on these hang all of the law and the prophets. All can be summed up. Now, there was a lot more to the law and prophets than that. But all could be summed up in love God and love your neighbor as yourself. This is how we become witnesses. This is how we keep His commands. His command is to love. He then tells us, speak the truth in love. So that means when we talk to others, even in hard conversations, it needs to be seasoned with love. Love others. Love God and love others as ourselves. Do you know this is a real problem for some? Some people can't love anyone else because they don't, they've never discovered how to love themselves as an image bearer of God. Let me help somebody. Love to, to love others as you love yourself, you've got to learn how to, how to love yourself. Do you know that loving others is not dependent on how good they are? We love others because they are image bearers of God. Come on now. The Bible even says love your enemies. We don't, loving others is not based on how well they perform. It is based on the fact that they are God's creation. But Jesus said love others as yourself. But here's the problem. Most of us don't love ourselves. We can't accept ourselves because we are holding ourselves 
to the standard of, well, I can only love myself if I've got everything figured out and going on. Come on. And therefore, we, we can't accept ourselves, so we can't accept others. And do you know, somebody needs to probably hear this, you are just as much of a creation of God and an image bearer of God as your neighbor you're called to love. Amen? How many, how many realize that? And do you know what? You've got faults. So does everyone around you. You've you got issues. You've you got, you got situations. So does everyone around you. You've got a past. So does everyone around you. It, it sometimes, it seems easier for us to say we love others, but until we have learned that, that if we give our life to the Lord, we count too, that the Lord cares for us. We've got to, we've got to accept ourselves in Christ. Now, outside of Christ, we're just left to our own devices. But in Christ, I have to have an understanding of that so then I can properly love others. I don't boast in myself. There's nothing in me to boast about. Except for Christ. But I am His. And therefore, if He has accepted me just the way I am, then I can accept me the way I am. I just keep placing who I am in His hands and letting Him change me. And when it comes to others, then I can love them even if they're a mess. Because He loves me when I'm a mess. Amen. So he said, keep his commands. And so that command is to love. Love. And, and if you love God, you'll walk according to his word. Your desires will be for his word. For the things he wants for you. For good things. Now your flesh won't desire those things. But your spirit, man, will desire the things of God if you have a love for God. Your flesh will fight because flesh is enmity against God. It's what the Word does, the enemy of God. Your flesh will try to, try to draw you away. It's what the Scripture tells us. It tries to pull us away and feed on lusts, our own lusts, and the things that would pull us away from God. But if we can understand, if we love God, then He can change our desires and our heart can be turned towards Him. We will desire to keep His Word. When the Holy Spirit convicts us of something that we don't need to be watching or saying or doing or involved in, rather than arguing with Him, if we just let go of it, we will learn to love God and we will learn to see the whole story and we will learn to live in victory. Do you know, I have never yet caused a big mess of my life listening to the Holy Spirit. I have caused many messes in my life not listening to the Holy Spirit. Amen. So if I learn to listen, and if I'm involved in something, and all of a sudden I feel that prick in my heart, this isn't beneficial to you. This is a danger place for you. This is something you need, to, you need to remove yourself from. 
If I'll listen to that because of my love for God, my desires are to please Him more than to please myself or any, anyone else. And if I'll listen to that, I'll learn to live in victory. This is what, Sol- this is what Solomon is saying. This is, I'm, I'm boiling it down to plain speak with us, but this is what he's saying. He said, here's the whole, whole idea of the matter. Here's what the whole conclusion of all things is really all about. Fear God. Have an awe of God, a reverence of God, and keep His commands. Live for Him so you can live in victory. Let your light shine. We are supposed to be different. Not because we're better, but because we're redeemed. Amen? We're not better than anyone. You can take the most heinous sinner in the world. You're, you or me, we're no better than that person as a person. Oh, we may, we may operate in society better than some. But, but in God's eyes, we're just people. We're, just, we're, we're all the same. We're all on level ground. But there is a difference in the life of a believer because we have accepted Christ and now we are redeemed. And therefore, our life should be a light to the world. We should be living according to the Word, living according to Christ. We should have a love for God, love others as ourselves, And keep His commands. Amen. And then the final thing. He says in, in verse number 14, Because in the new living, God will judge us for everything we do. Including every secret thing. Good or bad. So the third word that I wrote down for this study tonight is this. Warn. We must watch. In fear, awe, reverence of God. Get outside and see His story and see Him in our story and see Him in other stories. We must witness, love God, love others, keep His words, desire to please Him. And then we must warn. Before you warn others, heed the warnings yourself. Amen. Because the Bible says judgment begins at the house of the Lord. Sometimes we are real good at warning others, but not very good at heeding the warnings ourselves. So look at what what Solomon says here in Scripture. Because God's going to judge us for everything we do. The secret things, good or bad. Now, if we are in Christ, we are free. We're, we're guiltless. People say, boy, I'm, I'm in trouble because I'm, I, don't, I'm not, I still struggle with this. But if you're in Christ, the blood has covered you. You are free. You're an overcomer. God's not going to judge you outside of Christ. He either sees you in Christ, through Christ, or He sees you outside of Christ. Amen. So, so this is where it comes into play. He'll judge everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. So that, now, what that does mean is even in the life of a believer, 
when we involve and engage in things that are not good, there will be a price to pay. How many believers have ever found out that even though I'm redeemed, and even though I'm on my way to heaven, if I continue to make bad decisions on this earth, there's a price I pay. I, I remind myself every now and then that sometimes I have to pay stupid tax. Any of you ever had to pay stupid tax? That's when you do stupid things, <laughs> right? And therefore you get stupid results. I have to remind myself of that periodically. Sometimes if I would just ask for help, I would save myself some stupid tax. But because I'm stubborn and I don't want to look like I don't know something, even my wife will tell me, how would you know that? You've never done that. But I'm stubborn enough that I'm just going to Google it and try to do it myself. And then I get to pay stupid tax for it. When some of you know how to do it. And if I just ask you, it would be a whole lot better. <laughs> Amen. It's the same way in our walk with God. He's, he's watching. He knows the secret things. So let's get real for a moment. We'll close. Mark said, yeah, and it gets expensive, and it does. Stupid tax is expensive. Amen. And let's, let's, let's get real for a moment as believers. If we are continuing to involve ourselves and engage in things that are sin nature. I hear people say all the time, oh, but God knows my heart. Well, the reality is, yes, God Knows your heart. Amen. And that sounds real good. If you don't ever evaluate. Why you're doing those things. But God knows your heart. I might know better than to do something. But if I continually. Involve myself in it. What is my heart. Really. Directed towards. God knows. And only He can judge. And only He is going to know, but He knows. So the whole matter of it, the whole story of a believer can be boiled down. Evaluate your life in these areas. Fear God. Watch. Look for God in all aspects. Have an awe and wonder of God in this world, in the creation, in your life, in the life of others. Have, a, have this awestruck wonder of Him. It will get you out of a lot of doldrums you find yourself in. Witness. Love Him. Love others as yourself. Keep His Word. Discipline your body to keep His Word. Listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And finally, mourn. Warn yourself and warn others. God knows our heart. That's, I believe, why David, when he sinned, he would say unto the Lord, Search me, O God. See if there are wicked ways in me. Know my heart. Change me. Amen. We need to make that our prayer periodically. God knows the intention of the heart. So, warn, 
I wrote down these three things. Speak up, speak out, and speak to. Warn. God is watching. And he's a righteous judge. Back to the fear of the Lord concept. The word tells us. You know, the word tells us fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But the word also tells us, do not fear the one that can kill your body. Fear the one who has the power and ability to judge your soul. And cause people to spend eternal judgment away from God. Fear God. We're worried about things that could kill us. We need to worry about the fact that God's a righteous judge. Amen? How many believe He's a righteous judge? He is love, but He's also righteous. Holy. And therefore... His judgment is true. Amen. So this is what I've just come to tell you tonight. I just I want to encourage us a little bit. Just some practical steps in our life. That you can evaluate in these three areas. You and I both. I'm going to watch. I'm going to look for God. In all of my life. I want to see what He's doing. Recognize Him. Be in awe of Him. And I'm going to witness I'm going to love him. I'm going to love others. It's myself. And I'm going to keep his words. I'm going to strive to live my life for him. And then I'm going to warn. I'm not going to give myself an easy out. I'm not going to give people I'm in relationship with an easy out. Because God is watching. Amen. Any of y'all ever have that, those home interior? How many of y'all were raised with home interior in your house? Amen. Little plaques and all that kind of stuff, right? Votives. I came to hate those things. Amen. We always had the one. All I remember, I never remember a time that it wasn't there that hung over our, our, into our dining room and said, the Lord is the silent watcher and listener in every conversation. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Now, I didn't look at it near enough because I had some conversations I wouldn't wanted him to listen to. But he is. And we need to warn. Amen. I mean, believe if we will make the main thing the main thing, our lives will be big.